Welcome, and uh, especially those who are online could not hear anything I was saying. So uh, welcome to us as we gather in person, but also our brothers and sisters who are joining online. Uh, Palm Sunday is a time for us to remember and acknowledge Jesus as the, the king, the forever promised king of God, who establishes God's kingdom. And so we are thankful for a chance to remember that and to respond in worship. Um, just a couple of announcements. Uh, as I mentioned, we'll have uh, a pomp procession in the beginning of the service. So if children want to be part of that, they can um, uh, meet uh, Melinda in the back. Also, there's children's worship during the service for anyone that's interested in participating. Uh, after the prayer of invocation, uh, children who would like to go can go downstairs with Melinda for the class that will go to the end of the service. Uh, also, we'll be celebrating communion. So if you um, did not grab some things on the way in, um, you can go grab those or, or, or let me know or raise your hand and we'll can get some to you. Um, one last thing, sorry, just a schedule thing is that this coming week is Holy Week. And so we have a couple special services. Monday, Thursday, we remember Jesus' Last Supper. And then Friday, we remember Jesus' death on the cross. So both those services are at 8 o'clock in person here at 8. Or you can join online on Zoom or um, live streaming that. So on Thursday and Friday, I hope you can join us at 8. And then on Sunday is Easter, we'll celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, and there's a service at 8.30 and one at 9.30. The 9.30 one will be the one that's online and available uh, for, to participate at home. Well, God's called us to come and to come and worship. And let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come before God, our King. Good to be with you all this Palm Sunday. Would you please stand with me as God calls us to worship him, and we will uh, do this responsive reading together. When Jesus drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, 
Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the coat, they sent on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered them, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Amen. Would you please be seated? And during this time, uh, the children are uh, dismissed to children's worship, if that's what they would like to do. You'll find Miss Melinda in the back. Yeah, that way. As we continue to worship, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty, everlasting God, you sent your only eternal Son, Jesus Christ, to bring peace, harmony, and renewal through him as our true and forever King. And as our true forever King, he came not with a list of political agendas, or trained armies ready for battle, but he came to us humbly to serve us as his people. This morning, we come to join our voices and hearts with the crowds proclaiming Christ as King and Lord of all, the one who came to set us free from sin and death, the one who came to heal the deep wounds within our lives and souls that are often too, pain, too painful. Yet at the same time, we lift up our voices to praise you. Our hearts are often far and distant, distrusting and at times even cursing you. Wherever we find ourselves this morning, you are gracious and kind to receive us. Lord, we give you thanks this day and continue to give you praise and thanks for the vaccine and for all the, the medical teams and health that have gone into providing this for us. Lord, we continue to pray that it would be distributed uh, fast and, and get to the communities and those who need it. Lord, we pray for those who are still sick, those who are still suffering from this virus, those who have lost loved ones. Lord God, we pray for your mercy and grace to them this morning. Lord, we are often reminded of another virus that plagues our cities and our nation, the virus of violence and hatred. Lord God, we pray for many of the communities that have lost loved ones. We pray for Atlanta, we pray for Colorado, and for Virginia Beach and Philadelphia, many of these neighborhoods and communities that have lost loved ones to murder and outright violence. Lord God, we pray for your mercy. We pray that you would bring judgment where judgment needs to be brought, and Lord, we pray that you would bring comfort to those who are hurting. Lord, we also lift up those 
who are going back to school. Lord, we pray that you would be with these students and the teachers and the administrations and that you would give wisdom and guidance on how to come back well and how to do it safely. Lord, we pray that you would bless these efforts, that students would continue to learn and, and find joy in the work that they are doing. And Lord, lastly, we want to lift up those who have found jobs recently, those who are moving into different careers or those who have found new work. Lord, we give you thanks for that, especially in light of the recent year. And Lord, there are still many, though, who are suffering and who are looking for jobs or even who are wondering what to do with their time. Lord, we pray that you would give wisdom, that you would draw near to us and move us. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Well, as we continue to worship, uh, God invites us to bring our burdens and our confession to him. We'll do this both publicly and then privately. The crowd shouted, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They spread their cloaks on the ground and rejoiced as Jesus approached Jerusalem. But the same crowds shouted, Crucify him, just a few days later. Gracious God, we often acknowledge you with our lips while our hearts are far from you. We struggle to follow you when the way is long and difficult. Give us courage to be faithful to you in all circumstances and to share in Christ's obedience and humility.
invite you to take a private moment uh, to go before God with your burden and your confession. Lord God, we thank you that even though we are often distant from you, that you have drawn near to us through Christ our King, and by his power and blood, you have forgiven us of our sins and shortcomings. We pray this in his holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, would you please stand with me and we'll recite these words of assurance of, uh, of the good news of the gospel to us. Out of my distress, I called to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. Amen. You may be seated. Today's Old Testament lesson is from Ezekiel 37, 24 through 28. My servant David shall be a king over them, and they shall all have one shepherd. They shall walk in my rules and be careful to obey my statutes. They shall dwell in the land that I gave to my servant Jacob, where your fathers lived. They and their children and their children's children shall dwell, shall, shall dwell there forever, and David, my servant, shall be their prince forever. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will set them in their land and multiply them, and will set my sanctuary in their midst forevermore. My dwelling place shall be with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel, when my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. And the New Testament lesson is from Acts 2, 29 through 33. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. We all are witnesses, sorry. Therefore, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. This is the word of the Lord.
we were running short of orders. Anybody need an order of worship that doesn't have one? Yeah. All right. Well, perfect number. Okay. <laughs> um, well, it's good to be. It's good to be with you all and a chance to worship and to look at God's word together. As we've mentioned and as we've been singing and reading. Some Palm Sunday is a chance to remember that Jesus has come as the king who establishes God's kingdom, the true and promised forever king. And so we're going to look at Mark 11 that will tell us about what happened on that day. And so you can follow along in your, the order of your Bible, or you can just listen as I read. But this is Mark chapter 11, verse 1 through 11. Now when they drew to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing, untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is God's word given for our good. And what I want to do as we look at our passage this morning is to, to first look at see what happened, what happened on that day, and then to ask two brief questions. The first question, what does it have to do with our longings? The second question, what does it have to do with our citizenship? So let's start by just looking at what happened on that Palm Sunday. And, and as a way to think about what happened, we can think about a party, or I encourage you to think about a party or an event, a gathering of people. And I don't know what your experience is, but in, as we get together with people, sometimes it can just happen, a spontaneous gathering, but normally, whether it's a work event or a personal party or gathering, it involves preparation and decisions, at least by one person. And I mention this as a way for us to think about what happened on Palm Sunday, because in light of that, we could think of Jesus as a party or event planner. Now, that might not be the way that we normally think of Jesus, but it, might, it helps us enter into the intentionality of what's going on. You see, on Palm Sunday, we remember a donkey, we remember palm branches, loud singing, jackets lay down in the road, and all of it coming together to form a loud and joyful and royal parade. And the actions that happened were deeply symbolic, all meant to communicate the arrival and the welcome of a king. And Jesus, the planner, is the one who set all of this in motion. We misunderstand Palm Sunday completely if we think it just kind of accidentally happened. Or it was some kind of, you know, happy coincidence that people tended to gather together that day. Jesus set it in motion. 
And for example, we see in our passage all these details about securing a donkey at the beginning of the passage. What's going on with that, right? Well, I think at least one part of that is to to show the, the preparation or the planning, the intentionality of Jesus. This is the one occasion in all the Gospels where Jesus chooses to ride instead of to walk. Why? Why does Jesus make this choice? You see, he is carefully and intentionally evoking a prophetic vision of God's promised and forever king. Not just a king, but the longed-for king. You see, riding from the Mount of Olives, sitting on a donkey, with people following you and gathering around you as you go into Jerusalem, these evoke an ancient promise. The Lord himself, the Lord himself will come to rescue his people. And Jesus, through his planning and intentionality, is making a very clear claim. I am that promised king. I am that promised one. You see, he sets himself in a role and invites the people to respond. And they do. They do. They secure the donkey. They create a saddle. They lay their precious jackets, likely their only ones. They lay them in the dirt for a donkey to step upon. You see, they respond with their own symbolic actions. You don't spread your cloak on the road just for anyone. They go and they grab branches, cut them off trees to wave. You don't just wave branches because it's a nice day. These were culturally significant and symbolic actions that speak of royalty, of honoring a king. So we can ask, what what was going on that day? Jesus is intentionally presenting himself as the king And the people, his disciples, see it, and they believe, and they respond. They respond with royal symbols, and they respond with royal words. Hosanna in the highest. They follow Jesus' lead, and they use the words and actions available to them to express the highest honor they can give to him. So that's what's happening on that day outside of Jerusalem. It can lead us to the first question, is what does it have to do with our longings? What does it have to do with our longings? God's word, the scriptures, give us true knowledge about who God is. They reveal God. The scriptures do something else, though, as well. The scriptures give voice to the longings of the human heart. The scriptures give voice to the ache and longing with inside of each one of us. In a fallen world, we can see how the scriptures give voice to a longing for purpose of hope, assurance of truth, of belonging. But one of the deep and universal longings that the scripture gives voice to, one of the deep longings that it speaks of, is for a righteous and trustworthy leader. A righteous and trustworthy leader leader, one worthy to follow. There is a well-known ancient Roman historian, Suetonius, Suetonius, I think I'm saying that right, and he's known for writing 12 biographies about 12 different Roman emperors, and one of them often gets the most attention because it is about Emperor Gaius, and it has a unique title. The title of that biography is 
how to be a bad emperor. <laughs> how to be a bad emperor. I don't know how that was received. I don't think they had book covers back then, but it seems like a great title to catch some attention. But guys, his actions were listed, his words were listed, and it was summarized as how to be a bad emperor. And I mentioned that for you know, years and years long ago, that wherever you are in time or wherever you are in this world, there is a universal longing that we have to have people lead who lead in a good way that bring about good for the community. The Old Testament has similar language. The Old Testament gathers around this longing to speak about an ideal king, an ideal king that will come and establish God's kingship in a profound and deep manner. There's many, many examples, but just a few. Psalm 72, there's a prayer. May the king act with justice. May the king judge with righteousness, defend the cause of the poor, give deliverance to the needy, and crush the oppressor. And Isaiah, the, the prophet, looking ahead to the promised king, writes, with righteousness this promised king shall judge the poor. Decide with equity for the meek of the earth, and with the breath of his lips he shall judge the wicked. And in Zechariah, where we hear about a king riding into Jerusalem, humble on a donkey, Zechariah writes that this king will save the lame, gather the outcast, and transform their shame into honor. See, Jesus is not just saying that he's a king. He is offering himself for our deepest longings, one worthy of our trust and life. Here is a king who is strong, but not strong like the rulers of the Gentiles that would lord over or use people or just have selfish ambition. But here is one who is strong, but in humility takes a place of service. On Palm Sunday, we're reminded not just that Jesus is king, but what his kingship was like for his people. He brings meekness and self-restraint together to bring forth generosity and love. In his leadership, we see his nonviolence as strength, by controlling his fists and his tongue, he went to the cross to make space for sinners, taking even evil upon himself to give us beauty instead of ashes, gladness instead of mourning, and praise instead of a faint spirit. See, Jesus invites us to think about the longings we have for righteousness and justice to look to him. Second question, and the last question we have is how does this event, what happened on Palm Sunday, speak to our citizenship? We know it speaks to the deepest longings of our heart, but how does it speak to our citizenship, our belonging? I mentioned in the beginning party or event planning. I think it's maybe helpful to think about the intentionality, but it, it's possible that we could miss kind of the deeper aspects of what's going on with Jesus. When Jesus is planning this parade, this event, it is a subversive act. I don't know about you, I, I, I love Palm Sunday, I think it's great with the palms and the songs, but sometimes I can forget or I can romanticize and forget that what Jesus is doing here was deeply subversive. The people Jesus invites to respond 
people who participated, they were under authorities and rulers. Roman authorities such as Pontius Pilate and Emperor Tiberius. Jewish authorities such as Caiaphas and Herod. They have an emperor and king, yet they are being asked and invited to welcome and sing to another king. And we too are people under authorities. We might not always think about it that way, but we too are under authorities, yet we gather today to worship and to sing and give honor to King Jesus, to identify as his people. To grasp the significance and meaning of Palm Sunday, we have to see that what Jesus is inviting us to do is see our loyalty, our first loyalty, being given to him. The theologian Oliver O'Donnell in his book, The Desire of the Nations, he writes, Christ has conquered the rulers from below by drawing their subjects out from under their authority. Christ has conquered the rulers from below by drawing their subjects out from under their authority. See, Jesus is calling us to find a place in his kingdom, to see him as the one who is worthy of our lives, our first loyalty. In Paul's letters, as he was writing to men and women across the Roman Empire, he writes, in Christ, our citizenship is now in heaven. In Christ, you are no longer strangers or aliens or foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with all the saints, members of God's household. Where do we ultimately belong? Our citizenship, our status of belonging, our membership to God's people rests in Christ. He came not just to put forth the image of who God is and God's law, but to adopt us into God's family, to give you and I a new identity, a new purpose, a new ethic to call us to our first loyalty. On that day, the men and women heard, and I imagine that some, at least, understood what was being asked. And many, in all sorts of ways, offered sacrifices to honor King Jesus. One gave a donkey, at least for a few hours. Others sacrificed their clothing. Others gave voice of praise, even when it meant the possibility of anger or hate from neighbors or leaders. On that day, they saw it as their citizenship to offer of their life and their resources and their voice. And so as we conclude, we can ask what our response would be. How is it that we could use our cloaks, our resources, our voice to honor King Jesus who invites us to find our citizenship in him? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you did not leave us in our sin and misery, but have entered into our lives by your grace. We thank you that you come as king to establish a new way, a new kingdom. And we pray by your, by your grace that we would walk in these new ways, that we will learn to live as neighbors, as brothers and sisters through your kingship. We ask this in Jesus' name. See
privilege of taking communion, so I invite you to stand as we prepare to come to God's table. As we come to God's table, let's join together in our responsive reading. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Lift up your hearts, we lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Amen. You may be seated. When we come to this table that Christ has set, it's good to be reminded of what we're doing. This table belongs to Christ, and if you have repented of your sin and placed your faith in Christ, then you're invited to come and to participate, to be received at God's family table. Palm Sunday is a special time to remember Jesus' kingship, the one who had all authority to not hold that for himself, but rather humbled himself even to the point of death to welcome sinners like you and me. Our place in God's family rests not on what we have done or will do, but rests on our king, rather pursuing his own selfish ambition, seeking the glory of the Father and the rescue of his people, taking our sin and death upon himself to give us his righteousness now and forever. So this table invites us to come as the adopted family members, the brothers and sisters of Christ. As we come, though, we come asking that God would meet us and minister to us, but also empower us that we would go and live as the citizens of heaven, those who represent Christ and his kingship. So we ask that God would care for us and send us as his people. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this table. We pray, Lord, that you would take these common elements and set them aside for a sacred and holy use, and that your spirit would come and minister to us that by your presence that you would meet us, bringing your grace into our shame, your certainties and assurance into our doubts, that you bring your strength and encouragement into our weakness and struggles. Lord, may, us, may we find rest, and may we also find new identities, a new direction in you, Lord. We thank you that you're not only the creator, but our redeemer. Give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you are uh, participating in communion uh, either here or at home, I invite you to go ahead and prepare the, the elements that were provided. If, if, does anyone need uh, communion elements? Yeah. I have a couple here. Jody, would you mind helping? Sorry. Just a couple here. Just two. On the night that Christ was betrayed, after giving thanks, he took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. Whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Christ's body was broken to make us whole. 
Let us eat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. Lord, we give you thanks. Thank you for this that we can see and hold and taste that speak of your kingship and of your kingdom. We do thank you, Lord, that you are the one who gathers the outcast, who sees those who have been forgotten or dismissed. We thank you that you see us and have brought us into your family by your grace. Sustain and strengthen us by your spirit, we pray. Amen. As we respond to the table, I invite you to stand. We can join together in our responsive reading. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Lord, give us courage to take up the cross of our King and follow him. For receiving God's blessing, just a note that there are some palm crosses that are at the table by where you entered the building. If you'd like to take one home, you can grab one, or if you have a family member or a neighbor that you think would like one, you're welcome to grab one for them as well. Now receive God's blessing. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. May go in peace.